This is a Capricorn FM podcast. Professor Dinikomanulek actually wrote a, a, an opinion piece, says SA ignores Charlotte Matreke's legacy. So we're going to talk about these and other issues with Prof Maluleke, uh, focusing on what he wrote, and of course very relevant because this is the year of Charlotte Matreke here in the country. Prof, good evening. Welcome to Progressive Talk. Good evening. Good evening to you and good evening to the listeners. Good evening. Good evening indeed. Uh, well, it's the year of Charlotte Mateke here in the country and the president spoke earlier in the day. It is uh, Women's Day. But you wrote a piece as well looking at the legacy of Charlotte Mateke. Let's start there perhaps, Prof, in as far as uh, your, your opinion piece is concerned and the work you've done around that. How would you characterize Charlotte Mateke? Well, Charlotte Matlaka is simply amazing. If I was able to take you and your listeners back to the 1890s, we would meet a 22-year-old who is already traveling to England at that time as part of a choir. A 22-year-old who actually stays on after others have returned. Why is she staying on in England? Because she's looking for an opportunity to study further, to do higher education. She returns from England. She goes to America, again with a choir, because she was a singer, Mm. and pursues her dream to study there, and eventually comes out with a science degree in the USA. But not only that, she then meets up with some of the most influential African-American leaders at that time, because... The university she goes to is a university of black people, built by black people Mm. at that time, Wilberforce University. So she meets up with W.E.B. Dubois. She becomes friends with the woman who eventually gets married to him. Now, W.E.B. Dubois is the the most powerful African-American thinker of that time. You know, and in 1901, she comes back to South Africa. By the time the ANC is formed in 1912, she's already a qualified teacher, a qualified social worker. She's got a degree. She has seen half the world. She is equal to any man you can think of. And she's the only woman attending the conference of the formation of the ANC. Mm. You can imagine these chiefs arriving there, both Chief Mustaba, or chief so-and-so arriving there to fight this woman seated among the delegates. So she she is the reason I wrote that article. Mm. It's because I'm asking myself, have we really done enough? Is it enough just to name a hospital after her? Mm. Why is there no T-shirts, no coffee mugs with her face Mm. on them? Mm. Why is there no film, a major, major film, of this wonderful South African woman who was way ahead of her times. 1918, Nelson Mandela is born. Mm. 1918, she begins the Black Women's League, the first women's organization probably on the continent, but certainly in this South Africa, the first black women's organization. Mm. She starts it in 1918 already, when Mandela is not even born. By the time she dies, Mandela is only 21 years old. Mm. So I don't know why, uh, you know, she was not elected president of the ANC in 1912 because Mm. as far as I'm concerned, she had the talent, she had the qualifications, 
she had the experience. She had seen more of the world than most of the people who were in that house. Would, would you also say, I don't know why she's not talked of a lot in this time that we are in with the challenges we face because she has epitomized some of the possible solutions to our challenges? Oh, yeah. In many ways, she has epitomized those challenges. Just think about it. She goes to the founding of this organization. She realizes that she's not allowed to attend and she's not allowed to be a member because she's a woman. Think about the lot that women are going through today. The only way she could influence the ANC was forming her own organization, the Bantu Women's League. Mm. Think about what she had to do in order to retain a voice in a world ruled by men. And how come we haven't moved that much further? 150 years later, Mm. after she was born, you know, so I think she ought to be the epitome of, um, of, of, of where we ought to have gone with the development of women in this country. You say you wonder if it's enough to name a hospital, say, after her. And, and we have hospitals that are named after some of our leaders. We have a hospital named after Nelson Mandela and so on. And the question is, or, or a municipality as it were, do these uh, 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 institutions epitomizes do these institutions actually carry the values that were shown by these individuals when they lived do talking about them and their characteristics and so on actually come through in the way we are doing things in our government and governance i think we do that for men i mean i went to a webinar the other day uh, to talk about her legacy and that of nelson mandela mm. And firstly, I asked, why must she be paired with Nelson Mandela? Why can't we just talk about her? Well, they said it's Mandela month. I said, okay, that's fine. But then the program also said President Mandela and Charlotte McCracken. Mm. I mean, wh- why give the one a title and not the other? When I look at my own library, mm. I've got more than 24 books on Nelson Mandela. There are only three or four books on Charlotte McCracken. There are several films about your Kwame Nkrumah, your Nelson Mandela, your, your Man- Mandela, your, mm. your, your, your Kenneth Kaundas. Mm. This is the older sister of this guy. She was there before them. Yeah. She started this. She's bigger than them. But for some reason, we remember the men better and more than we remember the women. And she was a very unusual woman mm. because you couldn't, you can't really put her in one box. She was a teacher. She was a social worker. She was a church missionary also. Mm. She did a lot of work for her church, the AME. She also built a school, uh, Wilberforce College, which still exists uh, today. Yeah. So she was, I think the only reason we are not remembering her as well, I, I mean, I hope I'm wrong, is that she's a woman. Because I think we do slightly better for the men. Even Pixley Kaseme, who is the said to be the founder of the ANC. He founded the ANC, but she was there alongside him. Mm. And then a few years later, he tried to kill the ANC, the same man. But we we still idolize him. We still say good things about him, but not enough about her. And to come to our time now, the president spoke earlier today, 
quoted her, of course, as the year is named after her and her qualities. Are we doing things different in terms of the government in empowering women today? Now, the, you know, there's a mismatch between the slogans that the government issues and what actually happens in the country. Mm. So the government declares the year of Charlotte Matreke and we clap our hands, yay, 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 yay. And then they say, um, uh, please use the, use the hashtag year of Charlotte Matreke. But how many women are getting killed every day in this country? How many women are in positions of power and influence in this country? And I'm not wanting to talk about the women at the top. Mm. I'm talking about my mother, my grandmother, who until today find it hard to get an education and find it hard to get a job. Women who do more, much, much more than men, but the jobs they do, do not actually earn the money. So we talk about equal pay between men and women, for example. Yeah. But how can you have equal pay between people who don't do the same job? Men, women work at home and they go to work and work there. Are you going to pay them for, for working at home as well? Mm. Are you going to pay them more because the, the third biggest employer of women is domestic service mm. eh? in this country, even to this day. So I, I, I have a sense that uh, what government does, uh, the slogans, the campaigns, they are fine. We can't uh, scoff at them, but they don't match the conditions in which women continue to live. Women make up to 51 plus percent of our uh, population in the country. It was in the population estimate a month or a few weeks ago from the Statistics South Africa. And therefore, it would be instructive also to suggest that their empowerment and their contribution into our economy is very key for our development as well. You see, women, women are the blacks of post-apartheid South Africa. You know, apartheid South Africa had blacks. Mm. Post-apartheid South Africa has women. Women are the blacks. Because our economy in post-apartheid South Africa depends on the cheap labor that women provide to the economy. Mm. It is because the women work in the houses of rich blacks and rich whites that those rich blacks and rich whites are able to do the jobs that they do. So we have an economy that is actually built on the backs and on the labor of women. It's not just that the women are 51%. Mm. They may be 51%, but I want to suggest to you that their actual worth in economic terms is probably more than 60%. It's just that they are the blacks mm. of uh, post-apartheid South Africa. Mm-hmm. And and perhaps the other issue, uh, Prof, that we see is a socioeconomic issue in our country. We, we still see the country being ravaged and uh, the women population by gender-based violence, by femicides. There is a move from the government to be seen to be doing something or to be doing something. There's a national strategic plan to that direction. Are we doing enough to fight these sketches as well? I, look, I don't think the police are doing enough to fight the scourge, quite honestly. And there are too many contradictory messages coming from government. 
So if you watched what was going on with the looting, mm. it was the women who were being roughed up by the police. When the police eventually woke up, they went for the soft targets, mm. being uh, women, especially old women. And so you can't, on the one hand, say you are against gender-based violence and you are going to manhandle women the way we saw them being manhandled uh, by the police. Mm. And if you look at, uh, at the violence, even the lockdown police brutality, you will find that women were not spared at all by the very government that preaches against gender-based uh, violence. Then there's the question of um, cases reported versus cases prosecuted. Mm. You will find there, again, there's a disproportion between the cases reported and the, and the cases prosecuted. In fact, the number of cases reported by women of gender-based violence are very low mm. because they no longer trust the system. Many, many, many women who suffer uh, violence don't even report to the police. That's the shameful thing that yeah. we have come. So even the stats that the police gave us are not reliable because many women have not gone to them to tell them about the violence that they suffer. Thank you very much, Prof. I appreciate your time as always. That was a Capricorn FM podcast. For more podcasts, visit capricornfm.co.za.